This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 314. Richard Clark on Building Community. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. This is about to get interesting because for the majority of you out there, you've likely already heard of the HypnoThoughts Live convention. This is the biggest hypnosis conference in the entire world. It's coming up in July and August 2021 in Las Vegas. And knowing of the event, you might know of Richard Clark, who is one third of the team that puts on that event, him along with Scott Sandland and Stephanie Skiba. For those of you that all of this is new to, well, first of all, let me call one thing out proudly. This is the first time we got Richard Clark to do a podcast. Hold for applause. And welcome back. And I'm so happy that he's here on this program because it helps us to see a little bit more of the story behind who he is, what drives his thinking, and really the impact that, quite honestly, he's helped to create in this entire industry. You're about to hear a conversation that really begins in terms of work in a very different profession, but then how that kind of led its way into getting trained as a marriage and family therapist. And then along that journey, also getting into organizational psychology, and this is about to sound familiar, how it is that we can start to organize groups and get people working together to create a bigger impact inside of their organizations. Huh, once again, one third of the team behind HypnoThoughts Live. Though inside of this too, some of the work that he's done as a marriage and family therapist, and then from there, a bit of a chance encounter, first, let's say, officially learning hypnosis, being represented as hypnosis, and a real turning point where here was a local sort of get-together that was being organized in various parts of California. Sort of a branded meetup group that Richard reached out to the organizers to say, can we do one of these in my area? And the response is, you're about to hear the story, not to give too much away too early, was, hey, we've already had a few others reach out. Why don't you do it with them? And becoming the first time that suddenly here's the first meeting with some names that you might recognize, where organizing for the first time together, there's Richard Clark, there's Richard Rumble, there's Scott Sandland, and there's David Snyder. The rest of the story now starts to write itself. You're going to hear some of the work that he currently does as someone who is actively working in mental health, whether it's in the therapy world, whether it's in the hypnosis world, or as he puts it, strategic therapy, how it is we start to mesh all these things together. Plus, you're going to hear some really cool insights behind what really makes HypnoThoughts Live really tick. And sort of the global impact of, yes, here we are in the midst of a global pandemic, but also in a bit of a evolution, and let's also use the HypnoThoughts branding, of revolution, of how so much of what we do can now reach a global audience, the world has become a whole lot smaller, and how very often we end up together at an event in another part of the world with people that we already know. And HypnoThoughts has really given us an outlet to make that happen. I have to set up one story that pops up a little bit later on, which I forget if Scott and I got into this in a podcast recording, or maybe it was in one of the videos for HypnoThoughts Platinum. But the fact that when we first were introduced to each other, let's phrase it that way, we did not get along. And the story very clearly changed over the years of giving the keynote at HypnoThoughts, giving the uh, opportunity to do HypnoThoughts Platinum back in February of 2020, before everything got weird. But the opportunity that really, this is a big legacy of what HypnoThought stands for. 
the fact that we get to actually interact with these people. I'd rewind my personal story briefly back a moment where here I was at the very first, let's not even say convention, the first gathering of hypnotists that I'd gone to. And there was going to be someone who was going to be there that I had read their book. I had heard about them. I had seen some video clips of, and I'd really put this person up on a pedestal. And then to finally meet, it wasn't that it was a letdown. No, everything that I was expecting was there and even better. But the fact that we were all human and these were folks that were approachable. And if you look at really, I'd say what the legacy of HypnoThoughts has helped to really reinforce the folks who keep it to themselves and, you know, create a mindset of scarcity or dare I even say absolutism, which I've recently talked about here on this podcast series, that doesn't tend to have longevity these days. The environment where we're all in this together, learning and growing and benefiting from each other. And yes, as where my story with Scott originally began, the appropriate moment to get a uh, friendly smack in the face to go, not literally, uh, hey, this is how we all can do this better and growing over time too and creating those collaborative relationships. So we're going to link to this, I know, in the show notes over at worksmarthypnosis.com. Head over to htlive.net. That's where you can see the incredible lineup workshops that are happening before, during, and after the convention. And of course, let me mention hypnotic products. This is the two-day business training that I am doing right after the conference. So come for the event, stick around afterwards, because so many people in this industry are thinking way too small. I mean, look at the story of HypnoThoughts of finding a way to reach a global audience. And with hypnotic products, it's all about helping practitioners around the world to break out of the dependency upon a dollars for hours model. And while this is a workshop about business and earning a better income, it's not just a workshop about business and earning a better income. It's really about showing you the systems to create an even greater impact in this world that's around you. And think about this for a moment. What if you could change the dynamic so that your clients are people who have already interacted with you, have already benefited from you, have already created a change as a result of something they've accomplished with you by way of an online training, a product or whatever template you want to use. And now imagine the changes that are going to be different in your business where your clients are people who are willing to follow instructions, completely ready to work with you and willing to pay the fees that you ask. I'll tell you right now, that's what I've done in recent years, and that's why I've closed down the thing that built my business originally. I'm uh, At the time of release of this, I'm already down in Florida, and the Virginia Hypnosis Office is no longer the Virginia Hypnosis Office. The business has gone global thanks to the brand we've built over at jasonlinette.com. So think about this. What if you could take what you do, and here's the catchphrase you're going to come to learn, productize a service to think even bigger? That's what you're going to get at Hypnotic Products. Make sure you go to that hypnoticproducts.com page, though, because you'll see it's not just a two-day event. It's also ongoing training afterwards, plus some private consulting time with me. Check that out, hypnoticproducts.com, though I'd also mention jasonwebinar.com. This is an on-demand webinar presentation teaching you six verifiable things you can do every month to continue to grow your business. It's absolutely free and on-demand, jasonwebinar.com. Though, let's get to this episode, episode number 314. Let me call it out. I've pestered him a few times. He finally said yes, and this conversation delivers to hear more of the story behind the person who many of us know and the real heart behind the work. And again, this community aspect, which is why we named the episode as we did. Here we go. Episode number 314, Richard Clark on Building Community. 
Well, you know, I, I had worked for years. Uh, I had two previous occupations before. You know, when I was in high school, I, I got a job as a dishwasher, and I my, my talent at making the dishes nice and clean and efficiently was noticed, and I was uh, taken under the wing of a, a chef at a French restaurant. So I was an apprentice chef and worked in the restaurant industry until I was 20. And then after that, I had taken a job working in a machine shop. I, I got into a journeyman program for to be a machinist and, and, and followed that through. I, I became a tool maker, a model maker, and then all without any education, started getting jobs in production engineering. And mm -hmm. so I had worked a long time in the production field, but I had no degree. So I started going to college when I was 29. At that time, that was, you know, this this is in uh, 1989, 1990. There was a big push. The Japanese were seen to be taking over, you know, uh, production and sales in the U.S. So there was a, a big push on total quality management. And I, I joined some total quality management teams and took some trainings, which got me interested really in like organizational psychology. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to I was going to college for as a business major, and I got more and more interested in the psychology of people. And I I, I switched in my junior year to to be a psych major. And being basically a lazy person, I I I thought, oh, geez, back then, you know, I, geez, I can charge a hundred dollars an hour and just like work, you know, work fifteen twenty hours a week, and this sounds like the dream job. And so that's what I did, and I, I followed that through and. Then went on to graduate school, but that got me interested in mental health. And then, interestingly enough, for uh, you know my my first training, I learned hypnosis online, right? And this is back in the '90s when yeah, learning hypnosis online was not a thing, right? And I I don't know, I I assume you probably remember. I mean, you're a little younger than I am, but in, in the the late '90s, Yahoo groups. Were, yes. were, were the big thing in AOL groups back then, right? I think as of like two months ago, the last Yahoo group I was still a member of, the emails finally stopped. <laughs> I, I still get some. I still get yeah. some. Anyway, so I, I was interested. This is when I was in uh, graduate school, right, for psychology. And I, I was interested in it some and, uh, you know, I had, uh, had learned some sort of in graduate school, was learning some about Milton Erickson anyways. And so I, I started looking online. I found these Yahoo groups. And so I joined some of those. And so my first, you know, the, the first people that taught me inductions were actually online, right? Mm -hmm. And so for a few years, I did that. And then at one point, I don't know, 99, 2000, I remember I took my, uh, my first hypnosis training it was a two and a half day weekend training by the ABH, by Matt James, actually, right? Oh, nice. Uh, you know, you went in on a Friday evening and, you know, they, they warmed you up and then they gave you a script for induction and uh, uh, you practice that. And then they sold you on their longer programs, right? Showed you some fancy induction, some fancy work. And that was it. So that was my first hypnosis training. Yeah. I want to go back for a moment because yeah. you mentioned uh, organizational psychology. Was that the header? Yeah. Yeah. So where, where was that originally going to be going? What was the, what was the focus of going in that direction? More in, you know, human resource management, right? So like I say, back at that time, I, I there was this big drive on, you know, building uh, teamwork and uh, changing up the work environment, you know, more 
uh, ergonomics in the work environment and focusing more on making, you know, making the employees comfortable <laughs> and compensating them and giving them more autonomy in order to boost production. So that that was really, you know, I, I worked for some big companies. I, I had some big jobs for some, you know, Fortune 100 companies in production. And they had old, like I worked for one of the oldest bottle companies in the world, right? It was Crown Cork and Seal. And they were based out of Philadelphia. And they, I mean, they started off making corks, right? Back in the 1800s. And their production, their, their whole production mentality was to, uh, you know, really work people to death on antiquated machines that were held together with duct tape. Uh, and, and, and Which it, right away sounds like a group that could use some, you know, mental health benefit. Yes. <laughs> well, and the reason I, I went full fledged, so I, ha I had a big job, actually. I, I you know, I, I, I made back then was great money. You know, I was making six figures as a, an undegreed engineer. Right. And uh, actually, I was working as a plant superintendent. And they wanted me to sign off on something that was really unethical, right? Yeah. And I, I basically said, no, I can't do this, right? Because I'd been working really hard. I'd been brought in to revitalize the, I, I was actually recruited from another company to revitalize the workforce, right? And Im implement uh, total quality management principles. And it, it was just a really unethical thing. And uh, I said, no, nah, I can't do that. And they said, well, maybe you can't work here. And I said, yeah, I think you're right. So at that time, I was I had just uh, gone through a, a breakup with, you know, a person I was living with and moved out and switched my major at college. And actually, I was basically homeless for a year, right? I went from making, like I said, you know, over $100,000 salary to being basically homeless. I worked a job in a sober living home where five nights a week, I, I did the overnight shift. Right. So I put everyone to bed, slept on a little bed that was in the office and then woke them up in the morning. And then on the weekends, I just fended for myself, slept with friends or hotels or whatever. But that I forget what what the hell was the question? <laughs> no, I love that in terms of, again, looking at well, that kind of opens up a whole conversation, their possibility of, you know, how it is that we can look at. There's so many opportunities that are out there that this is a big conversation that often pops up in terms of, you know, I've done presentations on hypnotic language patterns for HR delegates and to hear how so much of it isn't just, you know, oh, this is the insurance we provide. Oh, here's when you have to get the timesheet in. Oh, it's really their role is that of creating that dynamic and having everyone, this is what I did in theater. How do we get everyone to work together and not hate each other? So from the inside out and seeing the opportunities from there. So you mentioned going from that into then finding this hypnosis training. Was there something about the hypnosis that attracted you or something that piqued your curiosity? How would you kind of motivate that? Well, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, uh, most everyone, I guess, you know, I would say the majority of people, you know, find hypnosis to be sort of a fascinating thing when they're a kid and they read about it or see it in movies, you know, it's oh, mind control. It sounds like an interesting, like, oh, what's that about, you know? So, I mean, I was interested in it. And then, you know, once you put your toe in a little and find out what it's really about, then it's like, oh, this is cool. I can, you know, I can definitely do this. And, you know, I, you know, you talk about, you know, language patterning, et cetera. You know, people, I always get a kick when people say, oh, you know, uh, Bill Clinton and, you know, Obama must have had NLP training. 
And and no, they didn't have any NLP training. These are just natural skills that that people have that NLP is modeled. You know. Thank you. You're talking my language. <laughs> no, you're right. It's more any cycle. It's always the game of in both sides too. This person was using this. It's like, well, this is all modeled after effective communication. And if we define communication as being effective because it elicited a response, you can always, after the fact, go, oh, that's like this technique. And the keyword is like this technique. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, yeah. And I, and I found, you know, I, I found out, oh, geez, you know, I, I'm a pretty persuasive person anyways. You know, I build rapport pretty well anyways. So, you know, I mean, I, I sort of found myself to be a natural and just dove into it more from there. And then my, my next step, you know, after after having taken a, a, a two and a half day training <laughs> was uh, one of the Yahoo groups or a couple of the Yahoo groups were for the somnambulistic sleepwalkers. I don't know if you recall that. Back uh, yeah, I've heard stories. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so there was, you know, a chapter that was started by John Petricelli in, uh, in New York. And then Craig Eubanks had one in San Francisco. And oh, what was the Perry, Perry, I can't remember his last name, in San Diego. So I, I contacted uh, John in New York. You know, I had been interacting on their Yahoo groups and chats and whatnot. Some contacted him and said, hey, I'd like to open up a, a Los Angeles uh, chapter. He said, great. You know, I just someone else had just contacted me. Why don't you get in contact with him and you guys can do this together? And that was David Snyder. Yep. So David Snyder and I started a Yahoo group for the Los Angeles chapter of the Somnambulistic Sleepwalkers and set our first meeting where Scott Sandlin and Richard Rumble attended. And then for the next like four years, we met every Tuesday. And that, I mean, so this is where I really got my hypnosis education, right? For uh, every, tu- every Tuesday evening for four years, we got together with, you know, sometimes sometimes only a dozen people, sometimes 40, right? And had practice sessions and we would have a speaker and we had, you know, Cal Banyan speak, uh, Tom Silver, uh, Justin Trance. We, we had a meeting at the ACHE convention with Gil Boyne, you know. Uh, so, I mean, these were people that really knew their stuff, right? And, and every one of us had something to add. And so that, that's where I got the majority of my training was four years of every Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah, which correct me, at, at that time too, you were also operating as marriage and family therapist as well, yes? Yes, I, well, we, when we started, I was still in graduate school, right? And I, and I also, I, I would point this out a lot, you know, when we were at the meetings and talking to everyone, I learned a lot of hypnosis in graduate school as a, you know, for a master's in counseling psychology, although they don't call it hypnosis. I mean, I studied mm-hmm. a semester of Virginia Satir and a semester of Fritz Perls and a semester of Jay Haley, right? And, and many others. And, you know, they, they rarely would talk about it as being hypnosis occasionally, you know, I mean, if you, you know, are familiar with Jay Haley, he's a student of Erickson's, he, you know, he, he talked all about Erickson's, you know, conversational hypnosis style and, and sort of broke it down for therapists. So, yeah, I, I was, you know, operating as an intern during that time, a marriage and family therapist intern. And, and so, you know, it, it brought a lot both ways. I could bring a lot from my, you know, from my experiences working with clients and sort of a more mainstream view of hypnotic interventions and then also bring the the trainings I was learning at our Tuesday night meetings into work. 
So then, you know, from our conversation, from the dialogue that any of us would have nowadays, yes, we know that hypnosis is not just the close your eyes and now you're going to follow my instructions, how so much of it around the influence, the framing and setting it up. I, I was curious to ask you, was there ever a time making use of that working, let's say, family therapy with a couple? I'm trying to think. I don't know. I, you know, I, I've, I've worked with, you know, tens of thousands of clients now. You know, I've been doing this for a, a long time. And I, I can't think of any time with a couple. I can remember doing some group hypnosis sessions. You know, I've done a lot of individual hypnosis sessions, obviously. But more often than not, I don't call what I'm doing with a client hypnosis. You know, I, I it, it may be, yeah, you know, okay, that, you know, I, let's try something here. You know, right. I, I just want you to close your eyes and take in a deep breath. And, and it's from there, right. But uh, I'm trying to remember who it was, the line of a couple of episodes ago. Okay, well, this isn't hypnosis, but close your eyes and now relax your eyelids to the point where they just won't work. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, occasionally there's uh, there's clients. I mean, I all, you know, every client is different and the interventions are always different. I, you know, I, I refer to myself to everyone as a strategic therapist, which is, you know, Jay, like Haley, Jay Haley's termination uh, terminology for, uh, you know, doing uh, hypnosis, conversational hypnosis in a mental health setting is strategic therapy. So, you know, every client's different. And there's some where I, you know, I, I sort of recognized, okay, we're going to do some hypnosis. This is going to work great for you. So, you know, mm -hmm. occasionally that comes out, but most often it's not, you know, most often it's, like I said, just a matter of, you know, planning, uh, planning a little pattern, uh, a, a reframe, uh, a few suggestions here and there and working it more more covertly and conversationally. Now, there's a story that I've heard by legend that I have to ask you about here, which would be, and I heard this from Scott, that a strategy at one point, and it may have just been a one-off experience of working with a couple and basically switching out the file so you could look inept and this would get them to now finally work together. Do I, do I have that correct? I did something, switching out the file. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I pulled up when a couple came in and I pulled up and started talking about issues that weren't theirs, right? So, I mean, I, I've never been one to rely a lot on a file, but yeah, you know, get them both working against me. And I, you know, I, <laughs> I, I really, I said, no, we were, we were, weren't we talking about, you know, and, and I, you know, looking through, you know, notes and, you know, weren't, weren't we talking about how, uh, how, how I just make up a name how John had done this last week and everything. No, no. What, you know, so yeah, I mean, I, uh, a, a lot of, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I did a, a lot of reading back then too. And, you know, a lot of things that, you know, I, I guess interventions you could attribute to, you know, someone doing Ericksonian hypnosis, right. Or were, were the kinds of things that I, that I use often. You know, and mm -hmm. continue to use often. A lot of, you know, a lot of it is it's not really from Erickson, but uh, also I, I know you're familiar with solution-focused therapy. I use mm -hmm. a lot of interventions from solution-focused uh, solution therapy, and I, I, you know, they're really good ways to to view your interventions. You know, look for exception finding and you know magical thinking and things like that to to really nail down your your reframes or your sleight of mouth patterns 
Yeah, which I know we're going to come around to, to hypno thoughts here in a few moments, but it's where most of us would know of you from the conference. Yet you're still someone who's out there actively working with people. Is there a specific specialty that you tend to work with more so nowadays? Well, now currently, right now, actually, I'm uh, I'm working on the BetterHelp.com network, right? Yeah, and, and seeing clients there because it's easy. I actually had a little while after. Let's see when. Let's see in. Uh, in like 20, 2015, really, it was uh, like uh, right when we started the Newport Clinic that you're familiar with, you know, Scott mm -hmm. and I had moved into an office together and opened a clinic that I sort of stopped seeing clients, right, for a while. I was managing the clinic and had sort of, you know, I had 20 years of day-to-day -day and, you know, some of my work experience I know you've heard of, I know others may not have, but I, you know, I worked for, you know, seven years in a, you know, a community mental health clinic in south central los angeles where you know i would see sometimes you know 60 clients a week right i mean there were so many clients lined up that you know i, I would see one for you know 35 40 minutes and dismiss them and there's someone else standing right outside the door you know and it was just a revolving door so you know i, I i'd seen a lot of clients on a lot of you know difficult issues and i, I sort of felt like okay you know let me just take more of a administrative role and I just actually, it was during the start of the pandemic, right? I, I decided, okay, I, I'm going to start seeing clients online. And I, and I had some old clients that I continued to see sort of sporadically, you know, through Zoom or Skype before that. And then I, I found the, you know, the betterhelp.com. And uh, it just really, uh, really streamlines everything. They, they, they find all the clients, they have the whole platform and, you know, do most, all, you know, well, do actually all the file keeping and everything. So all I have to do is, you know, set up a calendar and click on go to session. And, uh, you know, it's, it's very much a, a set it and forget it. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. So then back to, it was the sleepwalkers group and, you know, inside of that, I love the origin story of, you know, there's you, there's David Snyder, there's Scott Sandlin, there's Richard Rumble. A lot of the people who we now know is a big part of the HypnoThoughts live community. Where inside of this, because Scott had launched HypnoThoughts.com, you know, somewhere back in that in that time frame. At what point in that journey can we say that you started to, you know, come on a board and it become now the movement of this big live in-person event? Oh, well, so back, you know, we did some things with the sleepwalkers. We put on like uh, the, the first what, it, what National Hypnosis Day, January 4th. What do they call it? Uh, World Hypn yeah, World Hyp World Tom Nicoli, Tom Nicoli Eve, but also uh, World Hypnotism Day. Well, the, <laughs> actually, the first year, I don't know if you've heard this story. I think you probably have. Wendy Friesen was big back then. Yeah. Uh, and for whatever reason, she was competing against the NGH or whatever. And so at the same time, really, I don't know who was first. I don't care who was first. But she started a Hypnotize America Day, the same day as Hypnotize, uh, World Hypnosis Day. Mm -hmm. and so they were going together. So but we had known Wendy because she had come, participated in our uh, Tuesday night meetings sometimes. So we put on a, uh, you know, uh, open to the public. We had 16 one-hour talks, two rooms going. And, oh, and, now this sounds familiar. And a vendor. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. And that was the first World Hypnosis Day. We, we rented out, you know, three rooms at a Holiday Inn in Long Beach. If anyone's ever flown into Long Beach, it's the one that looks like a Capitol Records building right next to the airport. Uh, so, so we had done that. And that's where I sort of, you know, showed my, my original talents in organizing. And then Scott and David and Richard and I and a few other people actually set up a hypnotherapy practice, right? We all had separate offices, but we had one website called California Hypnotherapy, oddly enough. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, we split referrals back and forth and cross-referred, but we also then decided to start doing some training. So I, I actually, you know, uh, set up and organized David Snyder's first training ever in conversational persuasion and influence. And then also Scott Sandlin's first in-person training for, you know, these were both weekend trainings, two-day training, Saturday, Sunday, and his was in uh, uh, pain management. And and then later on, we did a, a training with Richard Rumble at the Magic Castle, actually. But this is where we, we got started sort of collaborating on uh, events, right? And yeah. And then actually, you know, the sleepwalkers thing, we'd kind of abandoned it. There was another, there was a part in there for a while where we started, myself, John Petroselli, and Mark Cunningham started a hypnosis organization called the Society of Applied Hypnosis. And, and we ran with that for about a year and it didn't really, didn't really work out the way we had hoped. But that, that sort of, at that time, then there was, eh, whatever, some bad feelings back and forth. And the Sleepwalkers Association sort of fizzled out. Mm-hmm. So it was a couple of years without doing the Sleepwalkers meetings and without really close contact. I mean, I'd see Scott, you know, every three months and talk to him on the phone some here and there. When Scott started up hypnothoughts.com, he said he, he wanted to, you know, start up a new thing. And he, and he had a couple of a couple of shots at it before something really took off and uh, at the beginning i want to go back to a word that you used a moment ago about fizzled out which uh the the joke is now oh in the modern uh, marketing world that's now called a pivot yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, oh yeah you know as well you know you could look at what i do and say well yeah jason runs that failed uh, meetup group in northern virginia i'm like well no it pivoted into the work smart hypnosis podcast which hey welcome you're listening now you know of looking at how we can find a different way of going about something rather than just one specific way of doing it so uh good job with the pivot there <laughs> uh, so w- when he started that he asked me to help moderate it and, and you know that that grew a lot and then i mean i know you and probably you know many of your listeners have heard the story from scott before about how uh hypnothoughts live got started is a bunch of people wanted to wear hypnothoughts buttons to the ngh convention and and they they didn't want that to happen so we decided to have our own convention see how nicely i said that well i mean looking at there's a when we find there's an audience that's already there yeah you know here was everyone who wanted to have an outlet that we were all interacting i think that year unofficially michael elner myself and i think seth deborah and a few others were like we're going to call this the unofficial table as we're all at the banquet (laughs) but when we find that there's a community that wants to gather so the natural pivot was to do something out in vegas I, i was curious to ask you because what what year is this coming up on? In this terms is going to be our ninth year. Yeah, because I remember the first year was when I was primarily a stage hypnotist and I had events booked and 
you know, my my one regret that I can live with uh, was not being there the first year, but there since. From this background of organizational psychology to then running the local meetup group, which then flourished over the years, and that's right, pivoted into something else. I was curious to see what kind of trends have you been noticing, you know, in terms of looking at this as an industry, in terms of how we learn, how we communicate about the process, how it is that, you know, clearly the thing that, you know, if we want to label a method here, which is not even a method we can, you know, fake out, but to say clearly what's winning now is community. What what would you say is that sort of greater impact that you've been noticing in this profession? Well, I, I think it is technology. I mean, I think it's worked everywhere in our lives and, and you know, worked, worked to good, good ends and uh, less good ends. But, you know, the Internet has made every everyone closer, made it a smaller world. So where when I first got started, like I said, it was hard to find hypnotists. You know, I mean, there, there weren't I lived in Los Angeles and I had a hard time finding hypnotists the first you know, the first meeting we had of the sleepwalkers, you know, I sent out like a hundred emails to anyone within driving distance of where we were going to meet <laughs> that I, that I could find that had hypnosis connected to them in any way. Right. But people didn't really have meetups or get togethers and there wasn't online forums. So I, I think that's really, you know, what has changed a lot about the industry or, you know, the, the profession of, of hypnotherapy is that more and more people can connect with more people that are that are like-minded and interested in the same thing and facing the same challenges so you know and then that's really what hypno thoughts was always about was building community and you know it's funny hypno thoughts it's an interesting thing you know scott and i and stephanie all run hypno thoughts and People think it's like, I don't know, you're, we're getting ready to go public and we've got a huge staff and, you know, <laughs> it, I mean, it's, it's really, we're just organizing, you know, a family picnic is the way we look at it, you know? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do feed everybody. So I guess that, that does line up. <laughs> yeah. It's just everyone, you know, that's how it started is, okay, let's all get together in Las Vegas and let's have some people talk and everyone loved it. And so it's grown into where now. Now, you know, it is a, a big thing, but it's really, you know, it was never meant to to compete with organizations. It was never meant to, uh, you know, be a, a big business, a money maker. That's why we, you know, we try to keep everything, you know, our, our prices low and provide as much as we can because we're not looking to make money on it. We're just looking to, you know, collect enough money from everyone to make it happen. That's all. You know, at the end of the day, we're we're hoping to have, you know, have our, our bank account, you know, close to zero, right? I mean, spend the money we, we take in. And, and that's what we have been doing. So, well, I think what, what's great about it too, is it, it be, it's become this opportunity for, yes, we can go and see a lot of the people that we already know and people that we've already interacted with. Yet what's become great about it is it's also that sort of foundation for a lot of people to then become known. I think it was Scott who said, you know, not just to have a voice in the industry, but to, you know, be recognized as one yeah. that, you know, w when we find the environment where I try to remember Scott's reference to this, but times where I've been sitting at a workshop, I'm like, oh, I'm sitting between Victoria Gallagher and Freddie Jackwin and uh, behind me is Richard Barker. And we're all at this workshop because we actually want to listen. Yeah. That it, it's not the let's go to be seen. It's everybody's there on the same level. And I can't think of any other 
environment where that's just the natural foundation of it. Yeah. And it's great. And a lot, you know, I mean, I, I, I take a lot of, you know, personal pride in a lot of the connections that have been made in the community. I was thinking, I don't know, a few weeks back when I saw an advertisement you had for your trainings with Richard Nongard, you know, I, I, you and Richard Nongard are people that might not have ever really crossed paths <laughs> for a long time before HypnoThoughts, you know? Uh, yeah, a few a few interactions just online, but then it was the oh, we're all here together, and just to have that opportunity to actually meet and interact. You know, and I want to—I don't know if I've ever told you this or told much of anyone this, so th- th- this will be great. But you know, I, I heard Scott posted a video the other day about how you know, well, hypno thoughts, you know, help provide some space for Jason and whatever. And and you posted a video about first knowing Scott. Did you know that I had to drag Scott? into into uh your uh, it wasn't work smart what was what, what was your original product oh yeah okay so when it, it's now and there's a i'll make the story brief the program was originally hypnosis business boot camp which let me yeah. call it out even though i still own the trademark was a crappy name but i also saw that people were successful and from what they learned from it but the program needed a rebuild it was originally linear now it's hypnotic business systems where every module stands on its own. But I remember, yeah, I think, Richard, you were like in like the first, I launched it off of a webinar around the holidays, I think in 2013, the original one. And there's my little moment of going, Richard Clark just got it. Huh. <laughs> well, so the reason I got it, right, is because Scott was like, was like, who's this Jason Lynette guy over there? <laughs> he, he was not necessarily that happy with you. And I said, well, let's look into it. And I, I bought it mostly for, you know, I, I listened to a lot of stuff or watched, I think they were videos, weren't they? Watched a lot of them. Yeah. And, and gave them to Scott and said, look, I want you to watch this. And he was at first livid with the idea that you said something about cook and chef. And he was, he was, just, he, he was determined <laughs> we're stealing his cook and chef metaphor and that, that he was really unhappy with. So, you know, it, uh, it took a while for me to say, Scott, look, let reach out to the guy, talk to him. He seems like a decent guy, you know, and he's at that time, you know, we were seen as a major competition by the NGH. Right. And I never, thought of them as competition, but I, I, I always like being a thorn in someone's side. Uh, and, and you were, you were, you were, you were like the, the new hot child for the NGA at the time. And so, you know, I told Scott, well, reach out to him. He seems like a decent guy and it'll just piss the NGH off. <laughs> like, like you wouldn't believe, you know, if he decides to come out to our conference or become more involved with us. And I think that's about the time I started to publicly say, we're, the more we're all successful, the more we're all successful. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, the, so the short really version I... of it was I, I had misquoted something and I did not give credit where it was due. And as much as that was a section of giving a lot of credit. And, you know, so this is, I think Scott and I shared the story. I forget if we told the entire thing on a podcast episode or it might have been in some of the promo leading up to HypnoThoughts Platinum back last year of our first interaction was the who the hell are you? which the sort of button on the story was I Priority Express mailed him a uh, doll of the Swedish chef from the Muppets to yeah. go, it's your quote and it's really good. Thank you. I'm sorry. Can we be friends? And we are. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I had put some work in before that. I thank you for that. Yeah. For that. <laughs> so I was curious to ask, so we find ourselves, you know, live conferences took a bit of a hit in the last year as 
you know, suddenly here comes quarantines, here comes a pandemic. And we're seeing some numbers, let's say, look a little bit more positive moving forward. What is it we can look forward to in terms of HypnoThoughts coming up this year in July and August? Well, I, I think it's going to be, a, you know, an epic year. You know, people use that word a lot, but I, I really think it, it, I mean, last year we had a good year, but there was only, you know, where we're used to, uh, you know, roughly a thousand people showing up, you know, we had grown to that size. Last year there was like 250, right? Which let's phrase it right. It was a pivot into a hybrid event. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, pivoted, you know, it's funny. That came off really well. We pivoted last minute, you know, yes. and just... Uh, decided. And, you know, the reasons are what they are, but... Uh, right. And I, I give Scott a huge credit for the way that it was phrased to go. And just to show you the online is viable, that's how I'm going to be running that segment from home, just like you. Yeah. And that that's what planted that transparency that had to be there. And it was a great experience for online too. Yeah. And so, you know, this year though, I think, uh, you know, people are, everyone is just burnt out on this pandemic, right? And uh, I, I think, you know, the, the overall trend looks like, you know, more people are getting vaccinated. The winter, the winter spike is, you know, naturally abating some. And, and I'm really hopeful that, you know, we'll be able to get a thousand people into Vegas again by uh, the end of July. Now, I mean, that, that may not happen. The plans right now are not to do a hybrid event. If things, you know, if, if everything goes exactly wrong, there would be a chance that we might do another hybrid event, but that decision won't be made until June, right? Yeah, which I, I like that phrase of, oh, we know how to do this. Yeah. If we have to. That's how, you know, this this podcast series last, last year around the same time. Uh, that's why we suddenly went out twice a week to go, hey, let's highlight the people who are already doing a ton of work online to show, look, this is not new. We know how to do this. Here's how. Yeah. No, but I, I've heard a lot of great feedback from people. I've had, you know, we've got some other conversations in the podcast. Next week is Jim Wan, Dan Kandel, and Michael DeShallot, which, by the way, is the largest panel we've ever had on a single episode. Yeah. Yay. That's, that's my little uh, I claim think to fame. Cool. They got, <laughs> yeah. they got, you know, Dan and, uh, Dan and Michael, you know, uh, are putting on a, a three-day pre-conference. And uh, I think it's great that they got Jim to come out. You know, Jim, Jim helped us a lot for a few years with the stage show and, well, I think this, this goes back to what you mentioned with like the projects that I now do with Richard or even a few years back. This is the environment where and you can all find this on YouTube. I'm sure now that I've said it, the uh, the editors of this program will put it into the show notes because we just put it on YouTube to say, hey, everybody here, Kevin Cole and I just in a side conversation go, I forget whose idea it was his or mine to go. What if we did a workshop at a hypnosis conference called Do Less Hypnosis? Right. And we just went, well, let's submit it and see if they want it. And then this is the uh, questionable part. Then we'll figure out exactly what that is if they take it. And of course, you know, you and Scott went, hey, that sounds good. Do it. Uh, which we did a whole workshop for two hours on like conversational influence before and after the session. But it, it's become this. And I remember my first hypno thoughts, you know, being called into a panel where talking about the methods of Dave Elman, where, of course, Cheryl and Larry were there. I'm sitting between Sean Michael Andrews and Michael Elner. And going down the line, it was Teresa Van Zeller, it was Seth Deborah Roth, it was Roy Hunter, Michael Elner. I think I've said Michael twice there. But this oh, environment of people... Twice the guy. What's that? 
he, he was twice he was twice the guy <laughs> oh absolutely yeah but this environment of people learning together collaborating together and creating something really really unique you you hinted at something i think when we were first chatting before we jumped on about sort of the as i'd phrase it the superhero skill of being able to organize things where others couldn't being able to make things happen uh can, can you expand on that well, yeah, I think, you know, I, it's interesting. And, and this is how, you know, I said I, as a, a an undegreed person, I, uh, I got big jobs in corporate America doing engineering, right? Because I, I've got sort of an innate ability to, to visualize all the working components in a system and sort of spot where there might be problems and proactively work on that, right? So I'm really good at uh, systems thinking, big picture thinking. And, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it, it's helped me a lot, you know, in my therapy career, right? When someone comes in and they, you know, they give me their presenting problem, I see it uh, as, you know, a more holistic system that, that needs, okay, so th th this little piece over here, you know, might, might not seem like it's part of, but if we change this little piece, everything else is going to run a lot more smoother. Uh, or not a lot more smoothly. So, yeah, I mean, that's just uh, something that's sort of always been my forte is to be able to uh, problem solve and uh, uh, make systems work. So, you know, and, and that's all a, a conference is, right, is, is a giant system of moving components. So that that's sort of, like I said, just fallen to me. I, you know, I, and I, I like, you know, we, every year we, we switch things up a little to see, you know, what, what that, what's that going to do for our conference system? Like this year, you know, we intentionally put a focus on having more, you know, more four hour workshops, long, more three day workshops, four day workshops. So we're, we're really looking at sort of providing more depth. You know, I, I look at, you know, a, a lot of people, you know, they come to the conference and everyone is always like, oh, what do I want to see? What do I want to see? And they bounce back and forth and you get a lot of little pieces. That's that's really helpful. That's you know, to to grab a technique here, a perspective there, an approach over here, learn something new about something you hadn't learned before. But I think this year is going to really, you know, really benefit everyone where they can say, oh, you know, I, I've really wanted to, you know, study this area more and they can go for a, a four hour talk on it you know it's just part of the conference and yeah uh, yeah which that was a great part of you know of the conference but also then also last year with hypno thoughts platinum I, I do have to have one moment for me though richard do we get the the rights of claiming the first richard clark podcast recording oh absolutely hell I, yeah it's funny i you know <laughs> I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I've told others. People ask me, and I say, "Oh, hell no! I can't even stand listening to podcasts." Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that is one thing. I mean, I have. I, I, it's it's not a short attention span, but uh, again, just sort of the way I, you know, the, sort of the way I work, and even in, uh, you know, in, in my college career, or, you know, in going to different trainings, you know, most good speakers they tell you, you know, in the first you know, 15, 30 minutes, really all about what they're going to teach you, right? Mm -hmm. And I have just this ability to sort of flesh that out, 
right? So once you've told me in 15 minutes everything you're going to tell me, I already, I, I have already figured out, okay, so that would mean this and that would mean that and that would mean this and that would mean that. Well, you've given us some amazing insights and stories in 43 minutes. So thank you for that. Where can, where can people find out more from you? How can they learn more about HypnoThoughts? Where's the best place to go for that? htlive.net. Awesome. And of course, we'll link to that in the show notes. You can check out some of the workshops before, during, and after. Uh, Richard, thank you for coming on. Any final thoughts for the listeners out there? You know, I, I, I think for final thoughts, I'd like to just sort of speak globally, you know, and hope that everyone uh, everyone keeps an open mind about where things are going. I mean, the current world situation is tenuous. I'm a eternal optimist, so I, I you know, I feel like this year we're, we're going to break out of a lot of a lot of this dreariness and things are going to turn around and just looking forward to seeing everyone in July and August. Jason Lynette here once again. And as always, thank you so much for interacting with this program. And I'll tell you my favorite part of this is that it really helps to start a conversation with not just me, but also the people who are on the program. I mentioned a quick conversation I had with Anthony Serena, who was on a little while ago, who goes, hey, I just got another client from someone who heard me on your program. So really, again, building community, bringing us all together. And thank you once again to Richard for joining me for this episode. The first episode launched as I'm now living in another state. So head over to htlive.net to see all about the upcoming HypnoThoughts Live convention. And once again, check out hypnoticproducts.com. That's the two-day post-conference training specifically about helping you to create, design, launch, and continuously profit from your own passive income machines. Richard beat me to my favorite catchphrase. Thank you, Ron Popeil, for this one. Set it and forget it. Though for a little bit more of an instant gratification, head over to jasonwebinar.com. That's an on-demand free presentation. Six steps to build a six-figure hypnosis income. Check that out, jasonwebinar.com. Hope to see you in Vegas. Stay safe. We'll see you all soon. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com.